Hey mama, hey, you're listening to Deb and we're at Mama's Mission and today, well, we get into a heavy topic, a heavy one. It's been on my heart to have a discussion about the LGBTQ community and I was listening to a podcast recently by Elizabeth Urbanowitz and it was gold. It was really, really good and I thought I need to pick her brains a little bit further about this. I wanted to talk with her about how we navigate this with our kids when should we be having these kind of discussions? She is very much, we need to be proactive rather than reactive. And I was once a fence sitter thinking, I don't really want to have these discussions with my kids because I almost felt like it was stealing their innocence. But I've actually been converted to thinking, no, I actually do need to have these discussions with them. So in this episode, we go through it all, through it all. We unpack how we navigate this with our kids, how we need to discuss this, the nitty gritty, like real key examples, which are awesome. She's given us a bunch of resources that we can use to help us in the process because you could be thinking, I have no idea what I'm talking about. These resources will help us out. And then she, we go that little bit further about how we need to love on members in the LGBTQ community and not just ostracize them. You know, we need to love like Jesus. But how do we actually love like Jesus without fully conforming? So that's a big topic in itself. And I got so much from this conversation. And I swear, Mama, you are going to get so much from it too. So before we get into the interview, I just really want to remind you that we've got a free community of mamas just like you, mamas who are wanting to point their kids to Jesus, but they want a bit, a bit more direction on how to do that. The community is in Facebook and it's called the Teaching Your Kids About Jesus and in it we share weekly tips, bites of encouragement and so much more. You will be blessed by being part of this group. I want you to spend a wee bit of time in the group and come away feeling really encouraged on how to teach your kids about Jesus because some of us think that this is super easy but some of us know okay it is easy but I kind of want a little bit more uh, what would you call it? A little bit more direction on how to do that. And this is the group for you. So the link is in the description, but you can join us at bit.ly slash teaching your kids about Jesus to find out more. I would love to have you there. Hey mama, welcome to Mama's Mission. Do you wish pointing your kids to Jesus could be simple? Are you overwhelmed with no schedule and good habits? So what you want to achieve, like discipling, doesn't happen. Do you have the best intentions to read that devotion with the kids? But after a bit, you lose your groove and feel that pointing your kids to Jesus is too hard. Hey, I'm Deb. I too was overwhelmed with the concept of discipling my littles. I was inconsistent in showing my kids Jesus, jumping from one idea to the next, and I wish for some structure to my day to make that happen. I wanted some routines and ideas on how to point my kids to Jesus, but I kept telling myself this is too hard and will take way too much time until I found routines and habits. In this podcast, you'll discover what discipling your kids is and looks like, how to schedule time in to point your kids to Jesus, and what tools you can use to help you so that you can be the mama living out her greatest mission to show her kids Jesus. So grab a coffee 
or maybe two, kick back and get ready to launch into your mission. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us here at Mama's Mission. It's such a privilege that I get to share time with you and get to pick your brain on this really important topic. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on today. (laughs) So before we start and kick off into the heavy duty topic, could you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I love the idea of mama's mission. I love the idea of uh, moms and dads discipling their children. And I actually am not a parent. I do not have any biological children. So then it might seem strange. Why am I on this podcast? (laughs) Um, But I do love children and I'm passionate about discipleship. And I spent the first decade of my professional career as an educator in a Christian school in the United States. And it was during my time teaching in a Christian school that I really saw this need in my students who were in third grade. So that's, you know, in the U S that's about kids ages eight and nine. Um, and I just saw that there were so many ideas that were headed their way, just in this culture in which we're constant, we're always living and they didn't have the skills that they needed to really discern whether the ideas they were confronted with were true or not, whether they aligned with scripture or not. And so that just sent me in a journey of searching, you know, how can we really at a very young age start to equip the children that God has placed in our care to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter and understand the truth of the biblical worldview. So I set out to do that just in my own classroom with uh, eight and nine-year-olds and the Lord had different plans. So now I run Foundation Worldview, which is an organization that creates resources for Christian adults to help them do the same thing, to equip their children to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter. That's amazing. I think it's so cool how you kind of got to use your students as guinea pigs and then you went out, like, obviously this is what the Lord had in mind. But then you got to go out on your own and the resources you create are really amazing. We use them at home ourselves and we get heaps out of them. They're really well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, God is kind. (laughs) He sure is. I really want to dive into, you had a recent podcast on the LGBTQ community, um, how to navigate this with your children because you had a listener come in with a question and I thought this listener could have just been me. We're not too sure how to navigate with it, navigate it with our children. And I really would love to pick your brain on it. So I've heard you say we need to be proactive as parents rather than reactive, which I would totally agree with. How should we broach this topic with our kids and when? Hmm. Yes, uh, this is a big, huge topic that is front and center, I think, in most parts of the world, and it has risen in popularity at a rapid pace that I don't think most of us within the church were expecting it to come quite this rapidly. So in some ways, it feels a little bit like we're playing catch up, which which it's really important that we not be playing catch up if we want to help our children understand the truth. So the first thing that I encourage parents to do, which is not an easy thing, is to make sure that you have conversations with your children about the goodness of God's design, the goodness of God's design for gender, the goodness of God's design for marriage, the goodness of God's design for sex, the goodness of God's design for family. And, um, 
I usually shock people when I say these conversations should start around three years of age. Now, it doesn't mean that you have the same conversation with a three-year-old that you have with an 18, that you have an eight-year-old that you have with a 16-year-old, but those conversations really do need to start around the age of three, just because our kids, even if we're very, very careful, they are going to be exposed to so much. A resource that um, I am not at all affiliated with, but that I always recommend because I think it's helpful. Um, there's an online course called The Birds and the Bees. And so if you just search, like Google Birds and Bees online course, it is created by Christians. It's not a distinctly Christian course course, but it's just 10 lessons that kind of walks you through as a parent. How do we have conversations about different body parts? How do we have conversations about gender? How do we have conversations about sex? How do we have conversations about pornography? And it just gives you some easy vocabulary and talking points to think through. How do we lay this foundation? Because that's the most important thing. Um, because we can't, we can't prepare our children to understand a deviation from God's good design if they don't first understand the goodness of that mm. design. And so that's the first thing that I say is laying the foundation for God's good design is so important. And then after that, that's when we can have conversations about deviations from God's good design. And I think that sometimes we think it's like this one conversation and it's going to be this big thing and it has to be super serious where if we lay the foundation, you know, just really simply for God's good design, then we can have simple conversations about deviations from that. You know, we can say, okay, so we learned that what is marriage? What is marriage? Can you remember what we learned? That's right. We learned that marriage is one man and one woman who become one flesh for one lifetime. And what are some good things that we see from that design? That's right. We get children that way. And children are safest and healthiest when they are raised in a home where their mommy is married to their daddy. And it's one man and one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime. You know, And then we can talk about, and God has even told us that that's a picture of Jesus and the church. And that's such a good picture. And then we can talk and say, you know, sometimes... Sometimes people don't understand the goodness of that design and they want to make up their own design. So sometimes people might say that it's okay if one man and one man get married or one woman and one woman get married, but how is that different than God's good design? You know, we can talk about that and can one man and one man's body make a baby? No, they can't. Or could one woman and another woman's body make a baby? No, they can't. And then what's that a picture of? That would be a picture of Jesus and Jesus or the church and the church. Hmm. That's different. You know, we can just have conversations. I actually had a friend just share with me earlier this week how she had a conversation with her son because there was a show that they had been watching. You know, I, I don't know, some her her children are five and six, you know, so they're still pretty young. And there was a show that they had been watching, and I think it was about dogs, you know, like it was a dog family. And then <laughs> they introduced a new, new main family on the show, and it was two mommy dogs. And so she told them that they weren't going to be watching it anymore. You know, and her son was just like, Why, mommy, why aren't we going to be watching this? And she's like, Let's think. How did we talk about you were born? You know, and she the language she used is, you know, you take a little bit of mommy and a little bit of daddy, and then we get you. Now, if we took a little bit of mommy and a little bit of another mommy, is that possible to get you? No, that's not possible to get you. So what is that show telling us? That's right. That show's telling us something that's not true because it's impossible to get a you if we have a mommy and a mommy. And her son was like, oh, that's silly. That makes sense why we're not watching the show anymore. You know, and it wasn't like this big, <laughs> huge, stressful thing, but yeah. you know, she was just able to explain it really simply in the same way you know, when we're thinking about transgenderism, which is something completely different than homosexuality, you know, we can talk about, you know, the goodness of how God designed us and how our bodies tell us the truth 
They tell us true things about us and our feelings. Sometimes our feelings line up with our bodies. Sometimes our feelings don't. Sometimes our feelings point us to the truth. Sometimes our feelings trick us. And so if we can get used to talking to our kids about that and then say, you know, well, what if you have a boy's body, but on the inside, you like things that a lot of girls like. And maybe you feel like you would like to wear a dress instead of, you know, shorts and a t-shirt or whatever. What is the truth about you? Is the truth your feelings that you're, that you're a girl or is the truth your body that you're a boy? That's right. Your body shows you the truth about who you are. So even just at young ages, if we can start having these conversations with our kids, play the goodness of God's design and then present deviations from that design. I think that's a really easy way to start. And it doesn't need to be a huge, really scary thing for us. If we start at a very young age, that's really good advice. Actually, I have a question about like, you just, you alluded to it. Is this something that you would have, This would this be a one and done conversation or would you do this sporadically just on the spur of the moment when your kids have questions or how, how would you go about that? Well, I don't think it's ever a one and done. I don't think anything's really <laughs> never one and done. I mean, think about, you know, teaching your child how to make his or her bed, you know, or teaching them something in math, you know, it's never a one and done, um, which I think sometimes because these are uncomfortable conversations, because they're about issues that are so intimate, sometimes we can want it to be a one and done and just think, okay, we talked about this. Let us never open up that can of worms again. <laughs> where, um, we're really, we don't want... We don't want either the goodness of God's design or the deviations from God's good design to be taboo conversations. We want our children to feel very comfortable coming to us with their questions uh, because we want, you know, especially at the young ages, we want to be the ones that are answering them. You know, we don't want them to go off to who knows who, you know, and ask these questions. And then when they're older, we definitely want them, don't want them to go off to, you know, Google, you know, and look these things up. You know, we want them to come to us. And even if we don't know the answers, we can help you know, we can search for the answers with them. So I would just encourage parents to make this an open conversation, you know, that you do need to have an initial conversation about these things, but then to circle back to it, you know, I'm sure my friend's son is going to bring up, you know, the dog show, you Mm -hmm. know, with, with two mommies at some point, you know, and there's, there's going to be times where they're going to be seeing two men or two women walk down the street, holding hands or kiss one another, or they're going to have, you know, a classmate or a person in the neighborhood, you know, who has two dads. And so to keep the conversation open, I think um, one thing that I mentioned on the podcast that you referenced that I think is really important is teaching our kids um, when to say things and when they might not need to say things. You know, kids (laughs) just blurt out whatever is going through their mind. A few, um, it was about a month ago now, I was having a dinner with a friend just at Chick-fil-A and a fast food restaurant here in the United States. Um, (laughs) And there's a play place there. And so she and I were talking and her kids were playing in the play place and her youngest son opens up the play place door and through the whole restaurant screams, mommy, there is someone in here who does not know Jesus. Is that a sin against God? And like, my friend is like ready to die. And she's like, come on over here, buddy. Come on over here, you know, and, and calls him over so that the whole restaurant isn't privy to this uh, shouted conversation. But, you know, that's just what little kids do, you know? And I mean, not, not all little kids are that bold, as bold as her son 
Um, <laughs> but you, you know, you never know. And when we talk to kids, you know, about how two mommies or two daddies, you know, it's not possible to make a baby, you know, that's actually not possible to have two mommies or two daddies. Yeah. Um, and you know, that me- that marriage is between a man and a woman. It's not two men. It's not two women. When we have these conversations with our kids, we can be almost guaranteed that if we don't have another conversation about when to bring this up and when not to bring this up, they are going to bring it up, you know, when they meet somebody with two mommies or two daddies, you know, that they might, oh, my mommy said that's wrong. My mommy said that's wrong, you know, or, you know, if we have a, a more bold kid, you know, like my, like my son's friend, he might shout out, there's two here, you know, that, that is the last thing that we want. <laughs> um, so what I recommend that parents do is to actually have a conversation with our kids and say, you know, sometimes we're going to see this. We might see this on a TV show. We might see this in our neighborhood. You know, we might have two neighbors who are two women who, you know, they've decided that they're going to live together and they're going to call that a marriage, or you might meet a friend at school or somewhere else, you know, who they have, instead of a mommy and a daddy, they've been adopted and they have two mommies or two daddies. And then talk about, you know, God hasn't given us the responsibility of telling everybody that they're wrong. That's not the responsibility God has given us. Now, if somebody asks us and asks us what we think about this, we can share what God's word says, but it's not our responsibility to go up and say, that's wrong. That's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. So whenever we see two women who are holding hands or two men who think they're married, we're not going to go up and tell them that we're wrong. We're going to say a sentence inside our minds. We're going to say God made marriage for one man and one woman. God's design is so good, you know, and practice saying that over and over and over again, and then say, okay, so whenever you see that and you say that in your mind, as soon as you see me, I want you to run up and I want you to come whisper it in my ear and tell me, you know, and then we can do the same with them. You know, anytime we see a TV show or a commercial, we can say, you know what? Today, when I was, you know, whatever we were doing, you know, and I saw this commercial, I saw two women who they said that they were married. And you know what I said in my mind? In my mind, I said, God made marriage for one man and one woman. God's design is so good. And we can do the same thing with transgenderism. We can say, you know, we're not going to walk up to, if we see a girl who's dressed in boys clothes, or we see a boy who's dressed in girls clothes, we're not going to walk up and we're going to tell them that they're wrong. But in our minds, we're going to say, God created us as a boy or as a girl and God's design is so good. And so if we can practice this, that can both help our child think about the truth while also hopefully curb some of the uncomfortable situations that can arise if our children just blurt the truth out (laughs) um, in front of everyone. So I think that can be a helpful thing uh, to do with our kids as we're continuing this conversation with them. I really like it how you did mention that in the podcast because that was one of the excuses, I I suppose you could call it, as to how why we haven't necessarily navigated this with our daughter as because that's one of my biggest fears because the reason we wanted to navigate it is it, you know, pertains to a close family member. And I never wanted her to go up to the family member or their family and point fingers and say you know what you're doing is wrong and God doesn't you know want you to do this like I don't want her to do that at all (laughs) yeah no and I think I mean that is that is a real fear you know when we're working with little children it is a real fear and I think in the conversation if we can make sure that we're always talking about God's love for the lost that, you know, that, you know, what, what did Jesus do for us? What did Jesus do for our neighbors who think that marriage can be two men or two women, or our neighbors who might feel like they're a different gender than our body? Jesus died for them. Like that's how much Jesus loves 
them, that God doesn't sit up in heaven and look at us and just see our sin. God sees his image bearers who he wants to redeem. Yes, God does see our sin. And yes, God will punish sin ultimately for those who haven't turned to Jesus. But that's how much God loves us and how much God loves our neighbors. So if we can make sure that we're including the gospel in this conversation so that we're not just pointing the finger and saying, oh, that person's doing a bad thing. That person's doing the wrong thing, but reminding ourselves and our kids that that person is someone that Jesus died for. That's how much God wants that person to be reconciled to him. Yeah, that's so true. I know there are probably going to be listeners out there because I I was one of them for a, a little bit. Why do you believe it's important to have conversations like these with our kids? Because some would argue that it makes our kids more curious. And yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But why do you think that it is really important? Because I know there are some parents, you know, myself included, we were, I felt like at one stage I was angry because I was like, I feel like my daughter's innocence has been stolen. Mm. I didn't want to have this discussion with her, but I'm feeling it is more and more imperative that I do. So why do you feel that it is important that we do have these chats? Yeah, I think those feelings are valid, you know, feeling like, oh man, I just wanted my kid to have a chance to be, you know, naive and innocent <laughs> as a little child. And um, I think we can be encouraged by the fact, you know, that we have, we are not the only generation to feel this way. We might be the only generation to feel this, you know, about this topic, but there have been so many things, you know, I mean, you think about, you know, Christian parents that were raising their children in Nazi Germany and all of the things that they had to talk to their children about, you know, that they didn't want their, you know, they didn't want their children to know, you know, that these soldiers are dangerous and they're carting off their Jewish neighbors, you know, but they still had to warn their children because this was a real eminent danger. And so just to be reminded that those feelings are, are real, those feelings are valid, but we also have to recognize God's sovereignty and allowing us to be in this time and place and, you know, and allowing our children to be born in this time and this place. And so the reason that we want to have these conversations, uh, there's a couple of reasons. The first reason is there's just, I don't know if there is a word for this. I am not a psychologist, but there is just this real psychological phenomenon that whoever we hear about something from first, we view that person as the expert, probably because the paradigm is created in our mind at that time for that concept. So if we allow our children to first hear about sex from their peers or from a YouTube influencer, you know, or from whoever down the street, you know, they're always they're always going to view that person as the expert because they heard about this topic first. So we want our kids in this topic to view us as the experts so that they understand, you know, we might not know everything about the topic, but when they have a question, we want them to come to us. So that's the first reason is we just really, we need to make sure that we're the first ones talking to our kids about these things. This, and the second thing is our kids, you know, even even if we're so careful, our kids are just going to be exposed to things, you know, and, and we mm -hmm. want to prepare them for it. And it's so much better to be proactive rather than to be reactive. You know, even when we're thinking about things, you know, like God forbid, like sexual abuse, we want to prepare our kids to know how valuable their bodies are beforehand so that they're prepared to know, you know, that if someone touches them inappropriately, you know, or does something or says something inappropriate, that that is not right and that they should immediately come to us. So really what I like to say is that the protection does not equal complete isolation. Protection equals preparation. And the thing is, 
you know, um, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis is writing, it's, if, if your listeners haven't read it, it's a very interesting book and in that C.S. Lewis is writing from the perspective of a demon who yeah. is writing to his nephew, <laughs> you know, teaching him how to tempt, you know, his, uh, I'm putting air quotes up now, his patient, you know, who is the, <laughs> the man he's been assigned to tempt. And one of the things he talks about is how, the, from the demon perspective, is how pleasure is the enemy who in this book, the enemy is God is the enemy's invention, you know, so all good gifts are from God and, and screw tape in, in this book, he says, you know, all we can do is distort and pervert this. And so we don't want our kids first exposure to the idea of, you know, gender and marriage and sexuality. We don't want it to be some distortion so that they view sex and sexuality as some perversion. Like we want them to understand that this is God's good gift. And so we have to lay this foundation and, you know, sexuality is not the only area that's been affected by sin, you know, like everything has been affected by sin. And so if we, you know, are just grounding our children in the biblical worldview and they understand, you know, that God created everything and it was good, but it didn't stay that way for a long time because God gave our first parents, Adam and Eve, a choice. And when they were given, when they were presented with the opportunity to love, trust, and obey God or love, trust, and obey themselves, they chose to love, trust, and obey themselves. They ate from the one tree of the garden that God had forbidden. They became sinful and God cursed the ground. And we now live with their inherited sin and on this ground that has been cursed. You know, and this isn't the end of the story that God has sent his only son to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself so that we can one day live with him. But we want our kids to view life through this lens that like we have these good gifts from God and all good gifts can be distorted because of sin. And so we just want our kids to have this framework. We want to prepare them. And even, you know, thinking about like, oh, I didn't want to have this conversation with my child, you know, until he was like seven or eight or 10. And we have <laughs> to have it, you know, like when they're three or four to just trust in God's sovereignty, you know, God, you know, you chose for me to be born at this time in this place for my child to be born in this time in this place. I don't want to have this conversation, but it is necessary, you know, help me to do it well, so that my child wants the, like that the affections of my child's heart are stirred towards you and wants your goodness and your beauty. Um, so that's why I would say it's really important, even if we don't want to have these conversations that we make sure that we start having them. That's really cool. It was really convicting. And you're not the first person I've heard say that, that the first thing that we discuss, you know, that, or our kids are exposed to, they view that person or that source mm -hmm. as the, um, you know, the fountain of knowledge kind of thing and mm -hmm. the expert. And that was really convicting for me because as I, as I preach all the time on this podcast, if we're not going to be intentional with discipling our kids, the world will disciple them. Mm -hmm. So who, who would you like? Would you like the world to, because they're going to, it just happens and yeah, I would, I mean, I'm no, by no means the expert, but I can wing it <laughs> <laughs> and I'm prepared to yeah. do that just so that and my daughter, you know, or my children, both of my children, my son is only one at the moment, but that they do want to come to us and pick our brains and be open because that's what it's about. I don't want them going, oh, I don't really want to ask mom and dad that that's too uncomfortable, awkward. I'm just going to go to Google or my friends. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think you bring up a good point that it can be so easy for us to fear like, 
you know, I am not the expert on this topic. You know, like, what if I screw it up? What if I say it wrong? What if I get nervous? What if my kid asks me a question that I just like freeze on either? I don't know the answer to, I don't want to know the answer. I think we have to be okay with things not going perfectly. Like we could have a conversation. It could go very poorly, but here's the thing. It's not a one and done. Also, our children are not leaving home to go off and start their own lives tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like Thankfully. when they're, yes, you know, like when they're young, we can circle back and say, you know what? You remember when we had that conversation yesterday and we were talking about the, you know, the goodness of God's design for sex. Mommy said some things that, that, you know, I just want to come back and I want to talk about it again because I don't think I said them very clearly. And it's okay. It's okay to do that. It is so much better for us to circle back with our kids, you know, and say, Hey, like I got some of these things wrong. I want to talk with you about this again and see if you have any questions or I I answered your question incorrectly than it is for us to be silent. It is way better for us to have to circle back and correct mistakes than it is for us to be silent. You're so right. I would so agree. The last question I have, because, um, yeah, you've just given so much, but the last question I really wanted to pick your brain because you, discuss this in your podcast but I kind of wanted to go a little bit further along with because obviously it wasn't a conversation between the two of us um Mm -hmm. you mentioned that we need to come alongside members of the LGBTQ community so it doesn't mean that we just point them out and that those are those people you know you encourage people to invite them into our home get alongside them you know love on them the way that Jesus wants us to so how do you, how do we do that in our home without conforming? So by that, I mean, do we use, would you suggest we encourage our kids to use the pronouns that they want, or would you suggest we use their correct pronouns? If they have a name change, how would you navigate that? Because I, this is something that comes that I've seen in the community that when you don't accept it's almost like you're dead to me. I don't want anything to do with you because you can't accept me. It's such a fine line. And I don't, I, I want to come alongside these people and expose my children and just say, let's love on them. How do we do that? But then there's that line and it's kind of like, how far do you go without feeling like you're accepting an untruth, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of different facets to that question. So first of all, just thinking about having different people in our home, you know, non-Christians, you know, whether they're members of the LGBTQ plus community or whether, you know, they're not. Um, I think our homes really should be places that are welcoming both for Christians and for non-Christians um, for a really thorough treatment on this topic um, at Foundation Worldview. Um, we did a podcast with Rosaria Butterfield last year who wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. So we did a whole webinar called um, Raising Kids in a Home that Practices Biblical Hospitality. So that will go into an hour <laughs> of this conversation. But I think it's just really important that we have rhythms and routines established in our home so that it's distinctly Christian, you know, that we're praying every night before dinner, that we're reading scripture, you know, at some time throughout the meal, that we're guiding our children. So that way, when we invite others into our home, we're inviting them into this Christian life, that they're going to be brought before the throne of God in prayer before the meal, you know, that they're going to hear scripture at some point, whether it's during the meal or after the meal, that it's just like, Hey, this is our family routine. Come on in. And so I think that's really important because, you know, we want to love people. We want to invite them into our home. We want to expose our kids to a whole variety of people, and it needs to be done within 
the context of a Christian home. Um, so I think that's one that's, that's really important that our home is distinctly Christian as we're opening it up to the outside world. Again, that, um, that webinar has tons more detail with that. Then the question, what do we do with pronouns? Um, that's an incredibly different, difficult question that Christians have a whole bunch of different thoughts on. I will tell you what my thoughts are. Um, I, think that God has called us to be truth tellers. We are not called to beat people over the head with the truth, but we are called not to lie because God is truth. You know, it's impossible for, you know, Jesus says he is the truth. It's impossible for God to lie. And so if we are lying to someone, we're not reflecting God. And so if I, you know, if you tell me that your pronouns are he, him, and I accept that what he, him means is that you are male. And so if I use those pronouns, I am lying to you. You know, if you tell me you've changed your name, you know, you tell me you've changed your name to Matthew, you know, that's a name that is traditionally male. However, names are very much subjective. You know, my name is Elizabeth. My parents could have called me Jessica. They could have called me Helen. They could have called me Marie. You know, that's subjective, you know, just, you know, the fact that they decided to call me Elizabeth. So I could go by another name and I would still be female. So my personal thoughts are if we call someone by another name, we're not lying to them because they have decided they've subjectively decided to change their name. If we are calling someone by a pronoun that does not match their biological sex, I think that we are lying to them. Um, so my recommendation would be to not call someone by a preferred pronoun to be now, this is something I don't know that we can train our kids to do because I think it is wildly complicated. Yeah. I think we as adults can really work to train ourselves. You know, if we have a niece, Jasmine, you know, who's now going by the name Tyler, we can train ourselves to work really hard to just say Tyler, 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 Tyler. Now when <laughs> yeah. we're talking to someone one-on-one, -on -one, it's really not hard because you, you'll notice, you know, when you're in my conversation, the only pronoun I have used is you, which yeah. pretty much everyone is okay with that. If we included a third person in this conversation, <laughs> I might look over to you and say, well, she just said, so it's usually only when there's more than one person in the conversation. Yeah that pronouns, preferred pronouns are involved. And so I think we can train ourselves. It's hard, but I think we can train ourselves, you know, just to use the person's name, you know, so anytime we're talking to them or about them, we're using their name, our kids. I just don't, I think that's a burden that is too big to place on little kids. Um, so that's, that's where I would, I think that's, that's where I think it really involves situational wisdom. You know, I think blanket, you know, just, we don't want to just push people away. We don't want to just push family members away, but at the same time, we also have to, you know, really pray through and just get, you know, advice from those within the body of Christ who know us well, you know, is this too much for my kid to handle, you know, maybe at Christmas, you know, and Easter, it's not too much for my child to handle, but maybe, you know, if this family member is going to fly off the handle every time my child says her and, and she wants to go by him, you know, this is probably, this might be too much for like an every week kind of thing. So that's, um, take that advice with a grain of salt, because, um, this is something that while I have walked through it as an adult, I have not walked through raising a child in a family situation with working with preferred pronouns. So I think that requires a lot of wisdom for each situation. And also something to remember for ourselves. I think sometimes we have this false idea that as long as we are kind and calm and gentle and loving 
that everything should work out fine. And, um, that's <laughs> not how it happened in Jesus's ministry. No. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus, you know, he, he was hard sometimes, you know, he said hard truths. He was also very gentle and loving and people continually walked away from him, you know? So if yeah. people walked away from the God of the universe, we cannot expect that they're not going to walk away from us. And now this comment is by no means a terrible comment, but you know, even the podcast you were just referencing, like our most, um, you know, our, I, th I think throughout it, I was hopefully loving and welcoming and, you know, showing that like, we're going to show our kids the goodness of God's design. This is wrong, but we still want to love others. And, you know, the most recent comment on there is there's no, there's no hate like Christian or there's no love like Christian hate. Um, oh, you know, and no. that's just what, you know, and I mean, that's like a mild comment, you know, it's not terrible, but <laughs> that's just what people see, you know, that's what yeah. people are going to see. They're spiritually dead. And so I just think we have to be prepared that we, there might be family tension, you know, there, there might be someone who cuts us out of their lives. Are we striving for that? Are we striving for conflict? Absolutely not. But we have to recognize that following Jesus will cost us everything. And sometimes that means, you know, family relationships when we're biblically faithful. So I know that's probably not what listeners were dying to hear, <laughs> but it is the truth. <laughs> it's so in alignment with, um, the discussions that my husband and I have been having because mm. it, it, relates to his a really close family member of him his and I've just kind of let him take the lead because you know I think that's better and yeah that's what the conclusion we came to exactly about pronouns um that we want them we want to still be part of their lives but if they choose not to have anything to do with us because we won't use the correct pronouns that's just something that we're going to have to navigate and it will, it will be really unfortunate, but, you know, we kind of have to draw a line somewhere because eventually that line gets further and further out. And, yes. and yeah, so I've really enjoyed everything you've had to share. I got so much from it and I definitely know what the next discussion with my daughter is going to be. <laughs> I did after listening to your recent podcast I thought this is we really need to do this mm -hmm. and I thought no I'll just further pick your brains a little bit more in our interview but now I definitely know <laughs> what we're going to be talking about could you to finish up could you share with the listener how they can find out a little bit more about you Yes. Yeah, so the easiest way to do that is just to go to the Foundation Worldview website. So it should be pretty easy to remember if you remember the name. It's just foundationworldview.com, foundationworldview.com. Awesome. And I will link everything that you've mentioned in the description for our listeners to make it so much easier. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on today. Thanks for listening to Mama's Mission. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review. Thanks, guys. Hey, Mama. I can pretty much say ditto to what my little girl just said. It lights me up when you're encouraged to disciple your kids from the content here at Mama's Mission. So either leave a review on the podcast or hit me up on Instagram at a dash of Deb. Or better yet, join the family by subscribing to our newsletter. The link is in the description. Be blessed, Mama.